0: And as we turn to your word today, may your ruach, your spirit, lead us into all truth. That we will know the mind of our father, which is our heart's desire. To know his mind and how to accomplish his will in our lives. By simply walking in his provision as his sons and daughters. We ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Continuation of Acts chapter 21. Yeshua's emissaries, the Shelechim, the sent ones. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So turn with me to Acts chapter 21, and we'll begin at verse 1. And after after we had torn ourselves from the Ephesian elders and we set sail and made a straight run to Kus, next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara, And on finding a ship that was crossing over to Phoenicia, we embarked and set sail. And after sighting Cyprus, we passed on the left. And we sailed to Syria and landed at Zeor. Some translations, it's the city of Tyre. Because that was where the ship was unloading its cargo. Having searched out the Talmudine there, we remained for a week. Guided by the Spirit... They told Sha'ul not to go up to Jerusalem. But when the week was over, we left to continue our journey. All of them, with their wives and their children, accompanied us until we made it outside the town. Kneeling on a bench and praying, we said goodbye to each other. Then we boarded the ship, and they returned home. When the voyage from Zaor or Tyre, was over, we arrived at Potilimas. There we greeted the brothers and stayed with them overnight. The following day we left and came to Caesarea, where we went to the home of Philip, the proclaimer of the good news, one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters with the gift of prophecy. While we were staying there, a prophet named Agav came down from Yehuda to visit us, and he took Shaul's belt and tied up his hands and his feet and said, here is what the Ruach HaKodesh says. The man who owns this belt, the Judeans in Jerusalem will tie him up just like this and hand him over to the Gentiles. And when we, who's speaking here? This is the Apostle Luke. When we, he was there. He was living these things out. He was recording these things. He was an eyewitness to all this. Continuing. And when we heard this, both we and the people there begged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Think about that. Here's a man who later would write the book of Acts, but was presently living it out. One who would be called one of the apostles. Have you ever thought about that? In the Tanakh, all the books, all the letters, were written by Jewish prophets. But in the Brit Hadashah, there were not prophets that are writing these books and these epistles. It's the Shelechim, the apostles. Now, was Luke one of the original 11? No. He came later. Have you ever looked at the four Gospels? You notice that met Matthew, and then there's Mark, and then there's Yohanan, John, And finally, there's Luke. Of those four Gospels, only two were were written by the original 11. For Mark and Luke were added later. And so think about this. He is now asking and begging the Apostle Paul, don't go up to Jerusalem. Just like in the past, they had warned him At other times, we recall that that he was once in a city and there was a plot to kill him. And so the Talmudim in the city, they heard of that, the plot, and they decided to lower him down in a basket. You know what? He didn't argue at that time because he knew and he sensed in his spirit this was God's provision for him then. So now let us continue in the scripture here. Verse 13. Verse 13. But Shaul answered, what are you doing, crying and trying to weaken my resolve? You can sense here that his heart's being broken. Because for their part, he wants to remain and to be their spiritual father. But for the best of the kingdom, he needs to follow and obey by demonstration the leading of the ruach, the spirit. And now he's demonstrating here, there are times when we face obstacles in our lives. All of a sudden, you can walk into your workplace on a Monday morning. They call you into the office and say, you are no longer working here. I've had that experience through the years. And that's just part of life. When God closes one door of opportunity, he opens up another door of his provision. And we can stand there and get angry with our former employer. We can just kind of put the blame game and condemnation on ourselves. But the, when the Lord closes the door and opens another He says, now, will you trust me? So Rav Shaul is coming to a point in his life where everything is showing him that he has to pass on this baton. He has to show what it is to follow the spirit of the living God and to discern when it's others that are going by their feelings, by how they can figure it out in their own minds. Have you ever been that place? Where you say, "Oh God, that's all right. I can take it from here." Wow, is that not a big mistake? But for us to simply put our trust in the Lord, and no, no matter what trial, tribulation He causes us to go and to enter into our lives, He's allowed it, so that we can grow in our trust, and our love, and our devotion and he can be glorified. Let's continue here. Verse 13, But Shaul answered, What are you doing, crying and trying to weaken my resolve? I'm prepared not only to be tied up, but to even die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Yeshua. Think about the time when he was on the way to Damascus. His mind and his heart was in a total different place. See how the spirit of the living God was able to lead him into all truth. And he knew this, that when Yeshua said, I'm now calling you to speak on my behalf and proclaim my good news to the Jew first and also to the nations. But you will have to suffer much on Yeshua's account. Are we willing? Are we willing? Are we willing to glorify Yeshua in every aspect of our lives? Even though it causes loss of things or a reputation? Are we willing to suffer so that he may be glorified? Let us continue here. Verse 14 And when he would not be convinced, we said, May the Lord's will be done. And we kept quiet. Verse 15. At the end of our stay, we packed up and we went up to Jerusalem. And with us went some of the Talmudim from Caesarea. They brought us to the home of the man with whom we were to stay. Nason from Cyprus who had been a Talmud since the early days. You know, it doesn't give us all the details here. I look forward to meeting this gentleman and asking him, tell me your story. Were you there one time when Yeshua was still alive and you came to the Feast of Adonai and you heard him teach and preach on Torah and how he expanded to you your heart just leapt within you and you begin to see how God desires for us to live out his Torah walking in his provision walking in purity of heart mind and soul in love and devotion please speak to me share with me these things Let's continue here. Think about the individuals that were later reading this book of Acts, this letter. Think about the person who is addressed to, Theophilus, and who he was, and how it impacted his own life and those of his own household and those of his community. Let's continue here. Verse 17, in Jerusalem the brothers received us warmly. Who's he speaking there? He's speaking of the Jewish Talmudim, the Messianic believers. The next day, Shaul and the rest of us went to see Yaakov. And who's Yaakov? But Yeshua's younger stepbrother. And all the elders were present. Think about the rejoicing. Think about when Paul Gunderson and Nancy Gunderson come back from the Philippines and we're blessed by their presence and they're able to share and expound what the Lord has been doing in and through them and also the people that they've been raising up as Talmudim disciples. Are not our hearts refreshed? Are not we encouraged? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's kind of the backdrop of what's going on here so that we can personalize. And those of you who are listening on the podcast, whatever congregation you currently attend that the Lord's ordained for you to attend in person, think about those who have been sent out from your community there, both locally and around the world, that are proclaiming the kingdom of God and being transformed and transforming the lives of others. See, this is the Lord's glory and his legacy. Where would you and I be today if someone was not willing to go and lay down their lives, their hearts, desires, their plans, so that the kingdom of God would be established in mine and your hearts? Does not that stir up within you love and compassion for others? We see a world today that is what? That's slipping away. What is the world's hope? It's not a political figure. It's not a political scheme. It's Yeshua dwelling in you and I and us living out our lives, walking in God's provision, facing trials and tribulations, and allowing others to see us in the midst of all that, putting our trust and our hope in Yeshua alone. Did not Yeshua say this? If you will simply lift me up, proclaim him to others then he will draw them unto himself. That's the way in the journey that we're here on this earth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Baruch Hashem Adonai. Let us continue. Verse 19. And after greeting them, Shaul described in detail each of the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his efforts. And you know what? For some of these Jewish Messianic believers is like, that's a miracle. That God now is using and reaching and filling people from the nations with His precious Holy Spirit, and they're being transformed. For this was why God called us to be His people, to be a representative. To the nations of God's grace, love, and mercy. His salvation is of us. And so now they're rejoicing in their hearts. Let's continue here. And what do they, verse 20? And on hearing this, what did they do? Mock? Say, you're out of your mind? No. On hearing it, they praised God, but they also said to Him, "You see, brother, how many tens of thousands of believers there're among the Judeans. They are all zealots for what? The Torah. God's word. God's revelation of who Yeshua is. The demonstration and revelation of who Abba, Father God is. Let's continue. Now what they have been told about you is that you are now teaching all Jews living among the Gentiles to apostatize. Why? Because they were jealous. These Judean leaders were jealous. Because Yeshua said to them that you go about, and if you make one convert to Judaism, you make him more a son of hell than you are. Remember his words? Because they wanted them to come and to be part of Israel, but not through the vehicle that God had ordained that vehicle for the nations to be part of the commonwealth of Israel was through Yeshua as the Messiah. So let us go forward here. Verse 21. Now what they have been told about you is that you are teaching all Jews living among the Gentiles to apostatize from Moshe, telling them not to have the Brit Milah, the circumcision for their sons and not to follow the traditions what then is to be done they will certainly hear that you have come so do what we tell you we have four men who are under a vow take them with you to be purified with them and pay the expenses connected with having their heads shaved then everyone will know that there is nothing about the rumors which they have heard about you but on the, but that on the contrary Yourself stay in line and keep Torah. Now, are these leaders of the Messianic community in Jerusalem, did they have it all wrong? Are they saying, here, let's trick them into believing that you are aligning yourself with Torah? Absolutely not. Because Rav Shaul. Was still a Pharisee, but he was also a completed Jew. Completed in that he has received Yeshua as his Messiah. He did not forsake the traditions and God's Torah, but he learned to walk and obey the Torah just as Yeshua did. So let's go forward. However, in regard to the Gentiles who have come to trust in Yeshua, we have all joined in writing them a letter with our decision that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols from blood and from what is strangled and from fornication. The next day, Shaul took the men, purified himself along with them, and entered the temple to give notice of when the period of purification would be finished. And then offering would have to be made for each of them. Notice that he's paying for all these four men's expenses. They're not taking up an offering for him to do this. So that if there's any question, people see that he's doing this of his own desire to honor Abba, Father God, through his son Yeshua, by the power and provision of the Rukh HaKodesh. Nothing is changed. You see, when we Jewish people come to know Yeshua as Messiah, he doesn't suddenly say, now you have to stop being Jews. Just like you from 'er any nationality that you want to interject, he doesn't want you to stop being from that nation. Let's continue. The seven days were almost up when some unbelieving Jews from a province of Asia saw him in the temple. Notice that, where was it from? Asia. Where was, where was Rav Shaul just coming from? Asia. So they, they were there. And why were they there? Because they're in the, in the process of celebrating Shavuot. That was the reason why Rav Shaul left a little bit early. And he avoided visiting certain congregations along the way back because he wanted to be there to celebrate Shavuot, which was part of the required feast of the Lord that he was to attend. See, those in replacement theology, they try to whitewash over all this. They never teach on this. Why? Because it goes against their teaching that God has forsaken the Jewish people. And now the church has taken the place. They teach that the church gets all the blessings, but none of the curses. That's a lie and deception from the pit of hell. The bride of Messiah is both Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah who put their trust in Yeshua. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the seven days were almost up when some unbelieving Jews from the province of Asia saw him, who's the him, but Rav in the temple and stirred up all the crowd and grabbed him. Men of Israel, help, they shouted. This man who goes everywhere, teaching everyone things against the people, who are the people but the Jewish people, and against Torah, and against this place. What is the place? The temple. And now he has even brought what? Some Gentiles into the temple and defiled this holy place. In most Bibles, the next portion, is it's in parentheses. They had previously seen what? Trometheus, remember we learned about him earlier? Trophimus, Trophimus, thank you, Ellen. From Ephesus in the city with him and assumed that Shaul had brought him into the temple. So now the whole city was aroused and the people came running from all over. They seized and dragged Shaul out of the temple and at once the gates were shut. But while they were attempting to what? To kill him. Word reached the commander of the Roman battalion that all Yerushalayim was in turmoil. Immediately, he took the officers and the soldiers and charged down upon them. As soon as they saw the commander, they quit beating Shaul. Then the commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be tied up with two chains. Remember the testimony of a Agav? where he took off Rav Shaul's belt and bound his own hands. Because what was the emphasis behind this turmoil? But those Jewish people who had a veil over their eyes, who wanted to kill and beat Rav Shaul. And so in a sense, they turned him over to the Gentiles. And if this battalion commander did not arise and do this thing by arresting him, he actually saved Rav Shaul's life. Let's continue here. Then the commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be tied up with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. Everyone in the crowd shouted something different. Remember, they couldn't get one witness to agree during the trials of Yeshua? Let's continue here. So since he couldn't find out what had happened because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought to where? To the barracks. Who lives at the barracks? All the Roman soldiers. Are these Judean leaders, are they going to come and, and, and attack the barracks? Absolutely not. When Shaul got to the steps, he actually had, to be carried by the soldiers because the mob was what? They were so wild. Remember the time as Yeshua was put on trial and how the crowd went wild and some of them cried out, crucify him, put him to death. See, likewise, now Rav Shaul is now living this out. But there's, we don't sense any anger towards his fellow Jews who have temporarily a veil over their eyes just as he did in the past. He has compassion. Let us continue here. Verse 37. As Shoul was about to be brought to the, into the barracks, he said to the commander, Is it all right if I say something to you? The commander said, You know Greek? Think about that. We read over that so quickly. He was astonished that Rav Shaul could actually speak Greek. Say, aren't you that Egyptian who tried to start a revolution a while back and led 4,000 armed terrorists out into the desert? You think we have problems with the media today? and word of mouth, and rumors. And so this commander, because you know what? Most likely they never, that guy disappeared. So he's thinking, well, you're this Egyptian. If he looked at Rav Shaul that time, he most likely had garment, and he had fringes on. No Egyptian would would have fringes on. That was a sign that you were a Jewish man. You had tzitzit, you had fringes on. So he's just going by whatever comes in his mind. Verse 39, Shaul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of an important city. I ask your permission to let me speak to the people. Having received permission, think about the boldness here. He's about to speak to those who are wanting to kill him. Shaul stood up on the steps and motioned with his hands to the people. When they finally became still, he addressed them in Hebrew. Who's he addressing here? But his own brothers who have a temporary veil over their eyes, and they cannot see the way to Abba, Father God, for both Jews and Gentiles to be one in Messiah, because Yeshua is the way, the truth, and the life and the only way to Abba, Father God's salvation. Baruch Hashem Adonai. Blessed be the name of the Lord.